live stream. It's only one part of our service here at Chelsea and City Temple. You can be part of the whole thing by dropping us an email or coming down and seeing us in person. Today we're going to look at two scriptures. Uh, first of all, in Luke chapter 4, and then the primary one is going to be Philippians chapter 2. Uh, before we read, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much that we can come and we can read your word in freedom because of the sacrifices of so many. We pray now that you'd open it up to us, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now we pick up the story here in Luke 4. Jesus has just been tempted. He was baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He went out. He was tempted. And he's coming back after the temptation. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then going over to Philippians chapter 2. One of the great passages about Jesus in the New Testament. We're going to read from the first verse down to the 13th. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. May God bless to us this reading 
from his holy word. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You may have heard that quote before. It's one of the most famous quotes in missions. It's a quote from Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot wrote this in his personal journal on the 28th of October, 1949. In January of 1956, he and four other friends were on an outreach uh, to try to reach the Alka Indians, uh, and they were martyred. They were martyred on the 8th of January, 1956, trying to share the gospel in Ecuador. Now, the good news is the whole tribe eventually turned to Jesus, and they even changed their tribe name away from Auka, which means savage, to something completely different. Jim Elliott had a mindset that made a huge difference in the world, even though he died, even though he was largely unknown in his lifetime, that mindset of he who gives what he cannot keep, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose, that's a mindset quotation. And he had that kind of mindset that literally led to the transformation of a whole people group. A whole people group. Mindsets are very important. Mindsets are essential to us. Our mindset can make all the difference as to whether we succeed or whether we fail, whether we move forward or whether we fall back. Our mindset makes all the difference in how we deal with difficult times and failures and challenges that we might face in our lives. Our mindset is very important. And the mindset is a combination of your attitudes, your ways of thinking about how you used to live, and living, how, thinking about living, and your mental approach to the world around you. It's your attitudes and your ways of thinking that together form your mindset. Your mindset then influences how you think, how you feel, and how you behave, the kinds of choices you make. Your mindset will determine how you live and how you experience living, whether you experience joy and satisfaction, making a positive change in your life, whether or not you have healthy relationships, and many other areas are influenced by your mindset, even in ways that you may not realize. And that means that we must choose and own our mindset intentionally. You need to have a mindset that is yours, that you possess, that you grab a hold of and say, I'm going to integrate this. I'm going to bring this into my life and make it a part of me. You cannot allow your mindset to be determined by the world, the flesh, or the devil. And frankly, most people, including Christians, have their mindset more shaped by what they see on YouTube or, or TikTok or any other social media than they do in what they read in the scriptures. Many people's mindset, there are many churches where the gospel is hardly ever preached. And all you hear 
It's like some positive thinking kinds of things. So we cannot allow our mindset to be determined by the world around us, by our sinful, the sinful aspects of our humanity, our flesh, and certainly not the devil. And you cannot be passive about it. If you're not active and intentional about your mindset, others will influence your mindset. Your choice is you will be influenced or you will be an influencer. There's no middle ground to that. So you got to shape your mindset. You need to understand your mindset and you need to make it part of your life. Integrate it into how you live. Ensure that it shapes how you live, how you think about living in positive ways. Now, when you look, if you look online, you can find a lot of different ideas about mindsets and a lot of different types of mindsets. You know, you've got the positive mindset where you always think positive. Oh, well, okay, so somebody stole my tent while I was out camping, but hey, I can see the stars much more clearly. You know, that's kind of like the positive mindset, uh, you know, or the growth mindset. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I lost all my money gambling, uh, but at least maybe I can uh, grow some corn uh, or some tomatoes. Uh, maybe that's not the growth mindset. I don't know. Or the change mindset, you know. Uh, I, I was taught a lot. I, I was taught a prayer that's very important for the change mindset. Another pastor taught me this more than uh, 30 years ago. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I can't change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to hide the bodies of those who push me too far. <laughs> That's kind of the change mindset. And then, of course, you got the fixed mindset, which is like, well, here I am. I'm not going to change my mind or anything. You can't make me do anything. You know, so uh, those are not always good mindsets. Uh, some of those might be okay. But frankly, I think we need the Jesus mindset. Because Jesus had a mindset. He clearly had a mindset. Jesus lived with a mindset that enabled him to enjoy life to the fullest, to live life faithfully and fruitfully, and to fulfill his life mission completely and effectively. And that all came, that all unfolded from the mindset of Jesus. That's the Jesus mindset. And the good news is we can have the Jesus mindset. We can have the Jesus mindset because Jesus was fully human. Yeah, he was fully God, but he was fully human. And so we can have the Jesus mindset. We can choose the Jesus mindset for ourselves. We can live out the Jesus mindset in our lives because we have the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. And Paul, in this passage we read in Philippians chapter 2, he's actually describing the Jesus mindset and how we need to own that mindset for ourselves as Christians. And many times we miss what Paul is saying because this is such a great passage about Jesus. It's such a great passage about what Jesus did when becoming a human being and living his life as one of us and dying on the cross, rising from the dead. It's a celebration of all of that, but it is primarily an explanation of the mindset of Jesus. 
And how do we know that? Because Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves. And that word mind there really could be translated mindset because it's not only your brain, it's your thoughts, it's your ways of thinking, it's your patterns of thinking. In other words, it's your mindset. So Paul is talking about the Jesus mindset and is actually telling us that we need the Jesus mindset. So what is it and how do we get it? I mean, these are the key questions. And thankfully, as usual, Paul addresses those for us here in the scripture, in the passage. Now, the first thing that Paul is saying to us about the Jesus mindset is that we need to own the Jesus mindset together. We need to own it for ourselves. You know, it's, it's, it, he says, have this mind among you, but really that the idea of the word is much stronger than, oh, I have a, a glass in my hand. It's really have it, own it, bring it into your life, make it yours, integrate it into your life. And so Paul says, have this mind, own this mindset, but we have to own the mindset together as Christians. The mindset is always among us. It's never fully ours. Now, why is that? Because we're all, we all mess up, right? We all make mistakes. We all have down times. And so we need this mindset among ourselves. We all need to have the mindset. We need to work on having it together so we support each other. So we encourage each other. So we can say, you know, that really doesn't sound like the Jesus mindset to me. Is that really that? Think about it. Challenge yourself. You just can't own it on your own. There's no such thing as a single, individual, non-connected Christian. That does not exist. Many in our society want to tell you it does, but it doesn't. Each of us will struggle. We need one another. And we need to understand, to own this mindset together as Christians, it's possible we can do this we can live this mindset because we are in Christ Jesus. Notice what Paul says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We already have the mind of Christ. We already have that among us as God's people. It's God's gift to us who we are in Christ Jesus. It's God's gift. It comes from we just need to embrace it. We just need to live it out. But of course, to, to do this, we need to understand it. So the second thing here, as Paul is saying, to own his mindset, we need to understand Jesus' mindset. We need to understand how Jesus lived among us. And many times we look at the passage, and I've done this most of my life, when I look at this passage, I've looked at it as what Jesus has done. But actually, if you look at the passage, Paul is talking about how Jesus approached what he did. It's not just what he did, it's what he thought about it, 
how he interacted with it, how he engaged with it. And that shows us his mindset. So here's Jesus. He knew he was fully God. He was fully God before the incarnation as the pre-incarnate word of God. He, he enjoyed all the worship of the angels. He created the universe. He was part of that. You know, he was fully God. He knew he was fully God, but it says that he did not cling on to, he did not grasp his divinity for his own advantage while he lived on the earth. It would have been very easy for Jesus to have come, been born, and said, okay, I'm God, or just not even been born. I mean, he could have just come, right? Like an alien, descended upon us. And then like, oh, I'm, I'm Jesus, I'm God. I don't believe it. Zap, okay, he's dead. Anybody else want to challenge me? You know, he could have done that, but he didn't, obviously. He didn't use his divinity for his advantage. He didn't cling on to it while he was here. But he emptied himself. He gave up the power of being God. He gave up the prestige of being God. He set it aside. He emptied himself of it. He didn't give up being God. Understand, he was always God. He was always fully God. In fact, temptations from Satan in part were, hey, why don't you prove you're God? Turn the stones into bread if you're really God. Come on, prove it to me, baby. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. He resisted that because he emptied himself he became fully human and did not use his divinity for living on the planet. He was fully God. That never changed. But he emptied himself of that while he was living here among us. Now you say, well, then how did he do all the miracles and things? How, how, how did that happen? Because he had the Holy Spirit within and upon him. We see that. He was baptized, came out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. That's why, by the way, Jesus didn't do miracles when he was a kid. Because the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon him. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Then he's tempted. Because, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that's great. But when we sin, the Holy Spirit says, no, I'm, I'm going. And so Jesus had to be tempted. And he was tempted, but he did not sin. And so the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remained on Jesus for his entire life. And so you see him coming out of the wilderness with the Holy Spirit upon him. And he goes into the synagogue and he, and he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. It wasn't fulfilled two or three years earlier when he was in the synagogue there, but it was fulfilled on that day. And that's how Jesus lived his life as a human being. That's how he did his miracles and all of that. It was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like we do miracles, by the way. Just like we live our lives. And so Jesus accepted the form of a servant. Didn't mean that he was a servant, in the sense of, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. You tell me how to jump and I'll say how high. That's not what it means. It means he, he decided he chose to serve. 
He chose to live for the benefit of others. He could have lived just for himself, but he didn't. He chose to live for the benefit of others, but not at the whim of others. Jesus, when he walked the planet, wasn't commanded by other people. He was commanded by God. He lived according to God's will in accordance with God's plan. Jesus lived not in servant, servitude, but he lived in servanthood, if you get the difference. Servitude is bondage to slavery. Servanthood is a choice to serve. And that's how Jesus lived, according to Paul. He lived in perfect obedience to the Father without sin as a human being. He never sinned, and it wasn't because he called on his divine power not to sin. That would have been cheating. And if he'd done that, he could not have died as a sacrifice for us. You know, so he lived in obedience to the Father as a human being, filled with the Holy Spirit, just as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he went all the way to the point of dying on the cross, the worst death possible in that time. That was the level of his obedience. And he waited for God to exalt him and make him Lord. Jesus didn't exalt himself. He could have exalted himself. He could have jumped off the cross and said, da-da. He could have done anything like that. He didn't do it. He waited for God to exalt himself. He died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead. That's his mindset. And we can live our lives with the Jesus mindset because he lived as one of us. He lived as a human being. So the third thing I think Paul is encouraging us here is that each of us must own the Jesus mindset for ourselves. But it's always in connection with other Christians around us. So we have the Jesus mindset. It's here in our midst. But personally, you got to own it. It's not enough for us to have it as a church and have it corporately. You got to own it personally. You need to embrace it in your life. You need to make the choice, I'm going to live by the Jesus mindset. You got to be intentional about it. You can't be accidental about it. So how do we do it? What's some practical ways that we can bring this to bear in our lives? Well, just like Jesus really knew who he was, he was fully God. He understood his identity. He understood he was fully, that he was fully God where he was from, where he was going. We need to know and believe who we are in Christ Jesus. You need to accept who you are in Jesus Christ. A saint, a holy one, the adopted son of God, the holy daughter or son of God, part of the bride of Christ. We also need to affirm that we are a human being created in God's image who has worth and value because of that. You've got to understand who you are. You cannot have the Jesus mindset if you think of yourself as worthless, meaningless, that God wouldn't save you unless he really had to. 
You have to understand your worth and value because you're created in the image of God. And to have the Jesus mindset, you must accept who you are in God's sight and by God's design. You can't recreate yourself. You know, I can't say, oh man, I wish I was from Africa instead of the United States. I can't say, I wish I looked like this person, or I wish I acted like this person, or, or I wish I was born in this way. You can't change those things. You can't. You're stuck with yourself. But you need to accept who you are in God's sight and by God's design. Not your sinfulness, but who God has made you to, to be. That's where you got to begin. If you don't begin there, you cannot have the Jesus mindset. Then the next part of the Jesus mindset for ourselves is we must, though, choose not to cling on to or to hold on to or to grasp that identity in Christ for our own selfish benefit or advancement. You know, I am not the adopted son of God so I can go around to say, hey, you know, I'm better than you are. I really like, you know, I'm actually adopted in life. Uh, most of you knew that. Uh, and as a child, yeah, I, I, my heart breaks when I see this on TV, all these dramas, you know, where people are like, oh, you know, my, my biological parents rejected me and all that. And I'm like, no, they didn't. They loved me enough to put me in a situation that they believed was better for me than the situation I was going to be in. It was an act of love. And sometimes we just need to reframe some, that's a mindset issue, by the way, if you didn't know. Uh, but, you know, so when I, so my parents told me very young that I was adopted. And so, you know, I, I love to go around, you know, I'd say to people, hey, you know, uh, I was adopted. You know, your parents were stuck with the end product. <laughs> my parents chose me, yours were stuck. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, that's part of the idea. So, so, but we can't go around saying, hey, you know, I'm God's child and you're burning in hell. You know, hey, at least I'm not going to burn in hell, but boy, you think it's hot now, just wait till the hell you're facing in eternity, right? Well, you think it's cold right now? Well, don't worry about it. It's going to be hot where you're going and it's going to be all eternally hot. You know, that's, that's such a wrong attitude. And obviously I'm over-egging it quite a bit. But, you know, at the same time, I've seen a lot of Christians that have that attitude. You cannot cling on to your identity in Christ for your own selfish benefit or for your own personal advancement, but you use it for the advancement and benefit of other people and for the glory of God. That's the idea. I'm not going to... I know who I am in Christ, but I'm not going to hold on to it so strongly that I can't minister to others. I know who I am in Christ, but I'm not going to hold it on to it so strongly that I can't associate with all of the people in this planet and love them and show them the love of Jesus Christ. I know who I am in Christ, and that means I'm going to do good everywhere I go and bring glory to God in every opportunity that I get. That's the idea in the Jesus mindset. And then to move on from that, we need to do what Jesus did and empty ourselves. But we need to empty ourselves of our rights, our demands, our self-centered hopes and dreams, our own position and our own advantage. 
We need to lay all that down. Uh, it's not wrong, by the way, to have hopes and dreams. I'm not saying that. But there are a lot of people whose hopes and dreams are purely self-centered. Let me illustrate a couple. Uh, the number of people I've, I've, I've seen, I've not talked to any people like this because I quickly correct them uh, if I do. But over the years, I've seen people who are really wanting to get married. And, and they say, I, I want to get married because I want somebody to love me and I want somebody to take care of me and I don't want to be lonely and, uh, and, and I want to feel good about myself. Now, you notice the theme in all of that. It's I, 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 I. It's all about me. That tells me that you want to be married not because you want your spouse to be benefited by your relationship, but because you want them to do all the benefit for you. Now, to contrast that uh, with Karen and me, and when I knew that I was probably going to marry Karen, it was a couple years before she knew it, um, but when I knew that I was going to marry Karen, uh, we were dating, uh, 18 years old, and, uh, and I asked Karen, I said, uh, how would you feel about being the wife of a minister? And she said, well, I felt called to be a minister's wife. And I knew it. Because I knew that we could come together and we had a common mission. We had a common vision. We were going in a common direction. We were serving a common Lord. And I knew all the other stuff would work itself out. And it has, at least for 38 years so far. We'll see how it does, you know, if it keeps going. Uh, that would be 43 years if you counted that conversation. So it's worked for 43 years, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I know Karen was about two at the time. And, uh, but uh, I was a bit older, I guess. Uh, or another example, having children. I've seen a number of situations where a woman has said, I want to have children because I want somebody who will love me and who has to love me. You know, and many of those times I want to say to them 18 years later, how did that work out for you? Uh, because... You know, it, it's okay to want a child to love you. There's nothing wrong with that. Just as it's okay, you know, to, to want to get married to a great person and enjoy life together. Nothing wrong with that. But if your sole purpose is just to have somebody love you, you're going to be disappointed. But if the purpose of having kids is to obey the gospel, which says be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it according to God's commandment to ensure the next generation continues, to ensure there's a new generation that can praise God, that's a completely different mindset. You see how important this is. Or what about work? Well, I know a lot of people, their mindset is, well, I, I need a job because I want to pay the bills. I want a boss that's going to look after me. I want enough money. I want everybody to like me, and I want to feel fulfilled and, and not have any problems with anybody around me. I want that kind of job. Well, it doesn't exist, uh, especially after you join the workforce yourself on that. 
You know, not that it's not wrong. It, you know, it's not wrong to want a job that pays your bills. But you know, that's a biblical reason for having a job. Just as fulfilling your life's mission is another reason to have a job. Seeking to build a healthy society, to seek good, seek the welfare of the city to which God has planted you. These are valid reasons. These are mindset reasons for having a job. And if you're looking at your job just from what am I going to get out of it, you'll quit when times get tough. But if you look at your job for this is how I'm going to contribute to society and how I'm going to not be a burden on society myself, but I'll contribute to society for others and I'm going to extend the kingdom of God in my workplace, then you've got a mission. Do you see the difference there? It's very, very important. So we have to empty ourselves of these rights and demands, these self-centered hopes and dreams, and get focused outwardly, get focused differently. And then we need to embrace the form of a servant for the benefit of others. Embrace the form of a servant for the benefit of others. But let me tell you, we really need to change our understanding of servanthood and what servant means. And that's why I emphasize form of a servant. Because a lot of times when we hear the Bible talking about serving, we're thinking of servitude. We're thinking of slavery in chains. We're thinking of controlled by other people to do their bidding. And that is not what the Bible is talking about here when it's talking about taking the form of a servant, and that's not how Jesus did it. True serving is about strength, not weakness. The person who can serve well is the person who has strength. I mean, come on. For those of you that are teachers, and you got you know, all those pesky little things running around in your classroom, uh, it takes a lot of work, right? You can't be a, a wimpy servant person to, to deal with those kids. You've got to keep them in line for their benefit, right? It's an issue of strength, not an issue of weakness. Servanthood is about providing for others, and it's about protecting others in strength and power, using the power that we have to accomplish those things. Real servanthood is about fulfilling your mission with courage and conviction. I can serve you because I proclaim the gospel to you, not because I do what you want me to do. And we need that courage and conviction, even if it costs us. It's about being a regular person, a normal person, not making yourself above others, not saying I'm serving you because I'm above you, and not saying I'm serving you because I'm below you, but saving, saying I'm serving you because I'm in your midst. We're together in this, and I am with you, and I am for you, and I'm going to work for your benefit, and we'll do this together. That's the strength of servanthood, and that's the Jesus mindset when he took on the form of servant. And then we've got to humble ourselves. 
make ourselves low rather than bring ourselves up. Humble ourselves to become obedient to God, whatever it costs, even if it means dying on the cross. We got to say, Lord, I'm going to obey you no matter what. No matter what it costs me, no matter if it means that I have to live here and do this job the rest of my life, which I don't like very much, but you've told me to do it, so I'm staying here. I'm going to do it. I'm serving you. I'm following you. I'm obeying you no matter what it costs. That's my mindset. And I'm going to go. I'm not going to quit until you tell me to quit. I'm not going to back down until you tell me to back down. I am moving ahead with my life. I'm going to fulfill my mission in obedience to you, Almighty God. That means we have to die to our selfish desires and wants. And we have to die to self-promotion and self-satisfaction. And right now, we live in a world based on self-promotion. YouTube, TikTok, uh, any kind of social media is based on promoting yourself. You're taught to build a platform, build a brand, build a way to communicate yourself and promote yourself so that others will pay attention, so that others will listen. And it's one of the hardest things in the world not to jump in on that and not to think that in order to serve the Lord, I've got to do exactly what the world is doing. But remember, we cannot allow the world to set our mindset. It's not the world to do. It's our choice and our commitment that we do here. And so in this, the final part of this mindset is that we have to resolve that we will only be exalted if God exalts us. We will only exalt, be exalted if God is the one who does the exalting. I'm not going to exalt myself. I'm not going to go after my position for my benefit. I'm not going to try to promote my kingdom you know, the, the elders all know that if, if I ever use the phrase uh, Rodney D. Woods Ministries International, uh, they know to slap me. You know, because I told them to do that. Because we're not going to do that. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We have to allow God to exalt us. And that's the Jesus mindset. It begins with knowing who you are in Christ, but not clinging on to that for your advantage, emptying yourself so that you can serve others with power in obedience to God as he leads you on, even if it means going to the cross and humbling yourself so that if you're exalted, it's God that's going to do the exaltation. And God will do it. You look at Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott died virtually unknown in his lifetime and yet here it is, more than 50 years later, something he said is changing lives still today. That's God exalting someone. And God is more than capable of doing it because he did it with Jesus. So the key thing here, now we've seen it, we have to have the mindset amongst ourselves as a people uh, we need to know what Jesus' mindset was. We need to have some ideas about how we embrace this for ourselves. But now, each of us needs to apply. Each of us must apply Jesus' mindset 
for ourselves. We do it in connections with, with others, but you've got to embrace it for yourself. I can't give it to you. I can't influence you in it. You've got to choose it. You've got to embrace it. You have to own it for yourself. And let me tell you, the Jesus mindset is the most effective mindset for living. It's better than any other mindset. It's better than the positive mindset, the growth mindset, the fixed mindset, or the what's in it for me mindset. I don't know. The, the Jesus mindset is the best. How do we know that? Because we can see the life of Jesus. Jesus was the most satisfied, delighted, relationally connected, fulfilled person that ever walked the planet. And we're looking at history of uh, two, more than 2,000 years of many people who've connected with the Jesus mindset and lived lives of purpose and effectiveness and satisfaction and joy because they lived their life out of the Jesus mindset. We're seeing it. So now we need to own it. We need to apply it for ourselves. And that's what Paul means when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You need to work it out. You've been saved. You're in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you're not, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You've been saved. You're in Christ Jesus. So now you got to work it out. You can't, it's just like you can't get fit watching exercise videos without exercising yourself. You can't have the Jesus mindset watching a minister do it or watching an elder do it or watching anybody else do it. You got to live it out for yourself and your situation is going to be different than mine. Every person is different. We all have a unique situation. We're all a unique person. So we need to own that Jesus mindset for ourselves and to do it with fear and trembling because it's a big task and an awesome responsibility. God has saved you. So what are you going to do about it? You have access to the Jesus mindset. So how will you personally live it out? And you need to do this so you don't waste your life. Because living without the Jesus mindset is a waste of time. And I've seen too many people who get to the end of their life and realize they've never lived it out. And they regret it. They regret it. So we need to work it out. We need to own it. But here's good news. We don't do it alone. Yes, we can't, I can't do it for you, but God is working in you. You have the Holy Spirit. The grace of God is upon you. And that's what Paul goes on to say here. God has saved you and is working in you by his Holy Spirit right now so that you can adopt and live out the Jesus mindset for yourself. Paul says that God is in you, working in you to will, to make choices, to make decisions, to choose this. He's working in you to work, to take effective action, to do good things. He's working in you according to his good pleasure. So if you follow him, 
you will naturally do what pleases him. He's bringing you in alignment with his will for your life. He's bringing you into alignment with what's good for your life as well. Because ultimately, we will find our deepest satisfaction in life in that which brings God the greatest delight. Your deepest satisfaction will come in that which delights the heart of God. The deepest satisfaction in my marriage is when I'm doing things and Karen's doing things according to the will of God. And that's a flow. The deepest satisfaction you'll have in a church is when you're serving as God gives you the will and the work according to his good pleasure. Your deepest satisfaction with your non-Christian friend will be as you interact with them according with this Jesus mindset. It's every aspect of your life is affected by this. Every aspect. So we can have confidence as we live this out, even though we're going to struggle and stumble along the way. You can have the confidence that God's working in you. His grace has got you so you can live out the Jesus mindset. You can embrace it for yourselves and you can start it today, this very day. Now, right now, around the world, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people with a Jesus mindset are living life to the full and they're changing the world with the gospel. It's happening every day. It's happening in schools. It's happening in families. It's happening in marriages. It's happening in jobs, in the workplace. It's happening in government. There are people around the globe as they interact in life, as just they engage in living with the Jesus mindset. They're changing the world. Sometimes in ways they cannot fathom. And history is filled with that. We have people like John Knox, the apostle of Scotland, who prayed, give me Scotland or I die. And now, more than 400 years, 300 years later, Scotland is still feeling the influence of the ministry of that one man who had a Jesus mindset. And I even think in this about my own mother, who's going to be with the Lord. And I call it the Mary mindset because that was her name, you know, and her mindset influenced me. Her mindset to persevere no matter what, to obey God no matter the cost. That's what I grew up with. And if there's been anything good that you've received from interacting with me and my mindset, you owe a bit of gratitude to my mother and her mindset. This is happening now around the world, and it can happen in you and through you because we all need the Jesus mindset as we live our lives because God is bringing everything together under Jesus. The promise of the passage is true. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's get this in our mindset and let's live boldly because we know where it ends and we know where we're going and God will be glorified. Father God, thank you so much. You love us. It's so extraordinary all that you do, how you care for us, how you look after us. We worship you, we adore you, we pray, praise you. Lord Jesus, we kneel before your lordship. We bow to you and our tongues confess that Jesus, you are Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fill us up now. Show us ways when we've not had the Jesus mindset in our lives. Show us what it is and how to apply it, how to live it out. That every day we more and more might have more of that Jesus mindset. We might be living it out more fully, enjoying life to the full, experiencing the satisfaction that comes from the delight of your heart and having a mindset based in Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, acting to your glory that literally will transform the world around us. Jesus, be glorified. Father, be glorified. Spirit, be glorified. We worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.